So it was 1998. I was five, you were 13, yeah. and dad was 34 years old when he decided to move the entire family down to Denver, specifically in Highlands Ranch, and plant Jubilee Fellowship Church. You know, we started in a school and eventually went to a storefront and then to um, a building and then multiple campuses. But some of the things that I can remember that were foundational to our DNA is discovering and recovering the promises of God. Jubilee wasn't just, you know, a building. It was a community of people that were gathering together to figure out what all of this is about. In Leviticus, it talks about the year of Jubilee. And one thing that that has always done and preached about and put in the foundations of this church is about the promises, the blessing, and the healing of God. When I think of people in the history of JFC, I think one thing is that they've always been able to say the second that they walk in, they can feel the presence and blessing of God. The year of Jubilee isn't just some old teachings. It's a lifestyle. Okay, um, little known um, fact about me. I don't, uh, don't play a lot of sports, but one that I love to play is golf. I'm not great at it, but I enjoy it. Anybody else out there like that, man? It's not great at it, but I love to play it, have a lot of fun at it. Uh, I live close to the Highlands Ranch Golf Course, not right on it, but um, within a half mile of it. Um, and uh, it's probably, I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago, somebody that goes to our church um, invited me to play with them, invited me to play right there. And then they said to me, hey, you know, you live so close and you play here often. Are you a member here? And I said, no. So I've never even considered being a member. And the guy did something awesome for me. He bought me a membership to Highlands Ranch. It was really cool, right? But it was like um, he knew what would happen is that I would become addicted and then the next year I would have to do it myself. So since then I've been a member but I'm sort of one of those members that, um, like, uh, I, I, I play when it's convenient for me. What I really get out of the deal is a coupon book, and I give most of the coupons away to the staff to take people in the church to play. So I don't get the full benefit of it. All right, fast forward until uh, just a few months ago. From time to time, maybe it's the golf thing, maybe it's just something else uh, entirely that caused it. But from time to time, I've had trouble with my back, and I had to go see a doctor about it. And the doctor was wearing a Highlands Ranch shirt. So, of course, I saw it, and I just asked him, Hey, you a golfer? Yep. Do you play at Highlands Ranch? I do. He said, I'm actually a member there. And I said, Me too. And he said, I've never seen you. And I said, Well, I'm one of those members. You know, I come occasionally, and I really am in it to get the coupon book, and it kind of works that way. And he goes, Man, you are missing the most fun in the world. He said, I would love to get together with you. Here's what he told me. This is not a believer, doctor, not church, golf, but this is what he said to me. He said, unless you get involved, you're not getting the community that you're meant to have by being a part of it. I said, I think I've heard that someplace <laughs> What I really said is, you can't tell me what to And I No, uh, I, um, I heard what he was saying, and I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's really interesting. And so I made the effort, not simply just to, um, to be around it, but to get involved in it, to get to know people, uh, to get the most out of being a part of something required activity on my part. You believe that? Yeah. Sort of what you put in is what you get out of it type of a deal. 
And the guy really spoke, um, spoke something that was near and dear to my heart, and it made a lot of sense to me. Okay, we're in a series right now called The Year of Jubilee. We're actually going back 20 years because our church turns 20 this year. And we're going back to some of the original promises that God gave us. Now, the only reason this is important, I said it last week, and I know it was a raging snowstorm, so many of you probably didn't hear this. So let me just repeat it. I'm not out of material. That's not why I'm going back to teach stuff that I taught a long time ago. I have more to teach right now than I've ever had to teach in my life. And I don't know if I'll even get to all the stuff that I want to teach before I'm done teaching. It's kind of one of those deals. But I know that I know, here's what makes it relative to you and why you need to hear this message. is that there are promises that God gave us, man, that he didn't just give to Chris and me and to my children. But for those of you who would sit in the church even 20 years after the fact, those are your promises. And here's the weird thing about it. If you don't know you have a promises, how do you ever take advantage of it? It's like you could sit here and totally love God, be into it. But if you're ignorant of what he has for you, you'll never step into it. And how about this? The devil loves you to be ignorant. Not stupid, but ignorant. Ignorant of promises, ignorant of what belongs to you, ignorant of what you're to do. I always tell this little story, and most of you can relate to this. Every once in a while, you'll see the, um, I think it's the Secretary of State. It's either the Treasurer or the Secretary, and maybe they're one and the same that do the same job. But they'll come on TV, and they'll talk about their job being getting back to people things that belong to them, like forgotten bank accounts. You ever seen that one right there? And he quotes some, incre- like $300 million worth of funds sit uh, under his jurisdiction, but they don't belong to him. They belong to the people of Colorado, and he can't find the people and give it back to them. So that always is weird to me, because I could tell you exactly how much money is in any bank account I have right now, and I've only got like two of them to begin with. How does somebody lose a bank? I don't know. Here's the point, though. You could have a treasure that until you know about it, you can't cash in on it. It happens every day in the natural, and it happens more often spiritually. People, man, that are part of a system, part of a state, part of something that's really awesome, but don't know there's so much more for them. And that's what this is. It has to do with promises. It has to do with things that God, uh, man, has through his word, but gave specifically for us. So I want to talk a little bit about the promises, the benefits of Jubilee, how you participate in those things. I kind of left a cliffhanger last week in that I told what the promises were, and then I asked the question, how many of you would love to get the promises of God in your life? If I could tell you, you'd be willing to do it. And everybody there, for the most part, raised their hand. I said, then you have to come back next week. That's this week. But I make really, uh, really careful attention to say this. Some people will come expecting a formula. And I said it last week, there is no formula with God. You don't do three things and then it just works that way. It's always based on relationship. It's always based on the give and take between you and him and what he has for you and going deeper in him. And so that's really what this is about right here. Years and years ago, I'm watching uh, two of my five children do that intro video. And you don't know how much it means to me that they get legacy. I didn't write that. I didn't even know they were doing that. It surprised me when I saw it last week. What a blessing to me to hear them talk that way. And all five of them could do a similar job on it and talk about it. They've all been a part of it. Back in the day, man, one of the greatest promises God gave me 20 years ago, as a matter of fact, it was the hinging promise on me leaving the position I was in and coming here to Denver. The one thing I had problem with, well, the two things, here here they were. Like, I was willing to say yes to God, but I had no money to do this. 
So I bargained with God. Here's the first thing I said. If you give me $150,000, I'll go to Denver. And this is what it sounded like. And I'm reasonable, so I cut it in half. All right, $75,000, and I'll go to Denver. And here's what it sounded like. Okay, 50000 Okay, 30000 I remember when I got to ten and I heard nothing, I'm finally just like, fine, you want us to starve? Okay, fine, we'll go. <laughs> and there was a scripture in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. I'm going to paraphrase it real quick. It says that uh, no plant had grown on the earth yet because man was not there to till the field. And this is what the Lord told me. Until you get there, I will not send the blessing. But I'll meet you with it if you'll follow me in faith. Gosh, he's done that every step of the way. So that was one major promise, but that wasn't so much for you. That was for us being willing to do it. But the second one was my kids. So you saw Daniel say that he was five. He has a twin that was five, and Amy's the oldest at 13. And I had two others stretched in between five and 13, and they were all at that place where if their dad and their mom was wrong about what they were going to do, who do you think is going to get hurt the most in the deal? Chris and I were in our early 30s. We'd recover. We'd be hurt, but we'd be okay. But our kids would pay the highest price for it. And I was unwilling to sacrifice my kids on the altar of what I thought might be God. So that was the thing that I wrestled with the Lord over. And I said, please, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. But it's not just me anymore. It's not just me leaving behind these things. It's not just Chris and I taking off on an adventure. There are five other people who bear my name and you've given me the responsibility for And God, if I'm wrong, I don't want them to be like five other pastor kids I know. I want them to love you and be able to say that it pays to follow you. And they'll go through the ups and downs with us and I don't expect you to eliminate that from their life. But God, I've got to make sure that I know that I know that they're going to be okay spiritually because we were in a really good place. We're in a place, man, where they love God and they love church. And my oldest, (laughs) it wasn't that long before her mom and dad say, hey, we're going to move and plant a church, that she had just heard from God about being a missionary. What would you pay for your 11-year-old to tell you God's speaking to me when I go before him at church? Oh, my goodness. That's a good thing, huh? I didn't want to mess with that. And I remember just getting before the Lord and telling him, God, if I do this, and I will... But is there anything you'll tell me about my children? Is there any promise I can hold on? And the Lord gave me a promise, and I'm going to read it to you from Isaiah. And the only reason I quote it to you right now, you can see evidence that God honored the promise, but here's why it's important. Look at me real quick, because if you have kids, I'm about to read something to you that it's not too late for you to grab hold of. Even if they're adults, and even if they're going on a path right now where you think that's not the path I would have chosen. Do you know as long as you draw breath, it's not too late? It's not an age issue. It's not a time issue. It's not a position issue. It's a get a hold of God issue. This is Isaiah. Uh, It's 54. It's verses 13 and 15. I moved my family on this verse with God telling me it's a promise that if you honor me, I'll honor you. I will teach all your children and they will enjoy great. What's the word right there? You will be secure under a government that is just and fair. Your enemies will stay far away from you. You will live in peace and terror will not come near. If any nation comes to fight you, it is not because I sent them and whoever attacks you will go down in, I called it flames. But either way, I stood on that promise. You know, here's the funniest thing about that. Move them and that promise, the devil will challenge every promise that God gives you. 
If you think you get a promise and then all of a sudden you just quote it and it's there, that's not the way that it works. You fight for every place that you put your feet. There were times I looked at my children and thought, why did I do this? But I always remembered to go back and hold on to that promise. Look at me real quick. It's never too late if you're still drawing breath. Grab hold of the promises of God. Folks, look at me. Grab hold of the promises of God. Don't be bored with this. Don't think it's for pastors. It's for somebody who's willing to risk it all. This is for God's people, man. The only reason I throw that to you, I can show you over and over again how God's answered that prayer. And that prayer wasn't just for us. It was for the people in this church. The promises and benefits of Jubilee, man, there were three main ones. I'll just read them to you from these scriptures. These were things God gave me. Uh, Luke chapter 4, 17 through 19. Here's where this comes from. Jesus, the very first time he did public ministry, uh, he stands up in the synagogue. He asks for the scroll. Remember, uh, they would have had a Torah. They would not have had a book that was divided into chapters and verses. They would have had a Torah. But Jesus would have been ultra familiar. He would have had the first five books memorized. He would have known, just like any Jew of that day and age who was observant, he knew the scriptures. He grabs the Torah, the scrolls. He opens it up. The Bible says he searches for the book of Isaiah. He finds chapter 61, and he begins to quote. And what he's quoting, we found written in uh, Luke's gospel as an account of Jesus doing his first public ministry. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to Jesus. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written. Here's what was written in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. Uh, He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor, or the year of jubilee, has come. Here's what it really announces if you get it. Jesus is the jubilee. In fact, the next thing that he says after that is, this is being fulfilled right now in your presence. And at first they cheer, yay! And then in seconds they think, who does this guy think he is? And they take him out to stone him. Do you remember? They take him to the precipice of a cliff, and they're going to throw him off the cliff. And the Bible says Jesus just went his own way. And from that point, he left there, and he went down to the Galilee to begin his public ministry in Galilee. It's one of the places we visit when we go to Israel. It's a powerful, powerful thing to stand on this precipice and to look out and to think, what was Jesus experiencing? And how could the people at one point be so excited about the things that God was doing, and in the next, the next breath almost, literally, they're rejecting what God is. Isn't it easy for people, man, to find that little thing that splits hairs, and some of them get into what God is doing, and some of them reject it thinking that they're doing God a favor? So tonight, you do not God no favor by rejecting the promises that he has for you. Get excited about the promises of God because they belong to you. They're for you, man. They're for you today, this afternoon, this weekend in your life. The second one that God gave me, that first promise is just simply just freedom, healing, blessing, the year of Jubilee. The second one was Isaiah 61. I'll just read it to you real quick. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and that prisoners will be freed, man. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come again. It's just pronouncing over and over throughout the word the year of Jubilee. God's got these promises. He wants this to be upon your life. And ultimately, Jesus in Luke 4, when he does ministry, he's quoting from Isaiah. When Isaiah, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes uh, that part of the book at Isaiah, he's actually, his point of reference is Leviticus 25, the year of Jubilee. So I just put it in here for you too. 
The year of Jubilee just looks like this. Set this year. Remember God said, this is the time, the season, the year, the appointment of my favor. Set this year apart as holy. A time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a Jubilee year for you when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. Uh, just say it one more time. Maybe you wonder about this. Maybe you've never had a chance to hear me say why. Maybe you've never made it to a meet and greet meeting and asked the question. But I get it from time to time. Why the name Jubilee? Why didn't you pick something cool, something easy to invite people to? Because I didn't come here to be cool. I didn't come here to be popular, and I didn't come here to do what everybody else was doing. I came here to proclaim the promises of God to you. That's what I came for. It was a different church for a different reason. We weren't competing with anybody else. We had the message God gave us to be who we're supposed to be. That doesn't make any other church across the street, down the way, or across the other side of Denver inferior. In fact, we're all on the same team, aren't we? You'll never hear me criticize a life-giving church. But I will tell you, no other life-giving church has what we have. God called this church into being. I didn't do it because me and my pastor got in a fight. I did it because God literally spoke to me. Last week was about that whole process and how that worked. You got a pen or a pencil? You might want it. I'll give these to you real quickly. We'll just talk about them. I want to go over the promises real quick, and then at the end of it, I'm going to pray if you want these promises in your life. Here's the three main promises that God gave for Jubilee Fellowship. Again, Jubilee is not me, Jubilee is not Chris, Jubilee is not our offspring and their mates and now our grandchildren and another generation. That's a part of Jubilee. Jubilee is you. If you're sitting in this church, you're part of Jubilee. If you're listening this weekend on the live stream, you're part of Jubilee. Um, if you're hearing this weeks later, where were you when I preached this? But you are a part of <laughs> Jubilee. You got a pen? You want to use the online version of the you know, that's great. The first one just simply... Here are the three things God told me to do in this church that belong to you. You can have them today, right now, proclaim freedom. The main theme of the New Testament is freedom. I'm going to say it one more time. The main theme of the New Testament is freedom. Think about this. How important is freedom? <laughs> How important is freedom in this country? My goodness. How many people have died so that you and I can be free? We talk about freedom and not really understand what freedom is. Most people confuse freedom with license. I'll say it one more time. License is the ability to do what you want, when you want, how you want it. That's not freedom. That's license. College campuses today confuse license and freedom all the time. People in government confuse license and freedom all the time. And people that fill up our country confuse license and freedom all the time. Here's the definition of freedom. Freedom is the absence of bondage in your life. You're not free if you have bondage. Do you agree with that? Bondage is multiple and it's manifold. Bondage can be a habit. Bondage can be a thought. Bondage can be a person. Bondage can be a lifestyle. Bondage can be so many things. Here's the truth. Galatians 5.1. The simple truth of why Jesus died. He died so that you can be free. It was for freedom that Jesus set us free for no other reason. Freedom is so that you can go to heaven. Freedom is so, so you can have the life he wants you to have now. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came to bring life and not just any life, but the one that's worth having are the abundant life. It's not heaven only. It's the life you have now. And gosh, I would ask the question, how are you doing with the life that Jesus has for you now? You answer that question. Are you living in freedom? Do you sleep in freedom? 
Do you worship in freedom? Are you bound up, man? Are there so many things going on you? You love God. Your passport is stamped heaven. You'll go. No doubt, because you trust in the work of Jesus to get you there, not your work. But the life you live now stinks. Is it possible to love God and have a messed up life here and now? Churches partially exist for that reason. I can tell you. I counsel lots of people who love God. They live messed up lives because they confuse the choice of license and freedom all the time. They think license is what freedom is. I can do what I want. No. What begins as a hobby turns into a habit. Shall I say it one more time? What begins as a hobby turns into a habit. Now you might think, oh, he's talking about drugs. I am not talking about anything that hooks you that way. You can have a thought process that in the beginning seems so harmless, but it takes over your mind. And when it takes over your mind, you're not free. There are people that sit in this room who have ministries in this church who minister to couples' lives. People, man, their whole ministry is based on trying to get people to realize you're free in Christ. You're free. And if the devil can convince you you're not, you'll never venture out of a prison. How weird would it be to be in a jail, have the door sprung, but not have the courage ever to step out? And Jesus, when he pronounced freedom in Luke 4, uh, he said that very thing, to set at liberty the captive. It's not enough to open the door. The prisoner has to walk out. He made you free. He made you free. But people will hear that word. Jesus can open the door and they will stay in that place afraid to step out because oh, it's uncomfortable. I don't know what it's going to be or what's going to happen to me. Freedom. Freedom. Galatians 5.1, man, never forget it. It was for freedom. Can you pull that up there? Yeah, it is uh, for freedom that Christ has set us free. Look at the second part of this. I forgot to mention this. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Just look, is it possible then according to that scripture, is it possible for Jesus to set you free but you make choices that put you back into slavery? Do, Do you see that or am I making that up? That's the context, right? I'm telling you every day you have a fight on your hands for freedom. To stay free in Christ, Jesus made it possible, but you, pay, you play a role in it. God is not looking for people who are just like, hey, you know where I live, I'm going to sit in this easy chair until you find... God wants you to participate in a harvest with him. It's not enough for me to be excited for your life or for God to send Jesus to die for your life. You've got to want this for your life. And if you're, if you're okay just being smarter about freedom, that'll never help you. You need to be jealous to live in freedom, to be free. In that particular case, that scripture, just so you know the context, uh, it was people that God set free from religion who went right back into religion. So you can even be free from a yoke of religion that Jesus put our... Dude, we are creatures of habit. What we want is for people to tell us what to do. Not that to figure out how to walk in freedom. Um, I did this years ago. We prayed it tonight as a staff uh, over this weekend and over what you would hear. The best guides I've ever had. And I, I've been places all over the world. Um, Machu Picchu was one of my favorite places to go to. Several of the pastors were with me as we did a missions in Peru to a bunch of orphans. And the payoff for us on a day off was to go to Machu Picchu. We go to Machu Picchu and pay all of this money. It takes forever to get up to this thing. Uh, how many of you have seen pictures of Machu Picchu? You know what it looks like. It's beautiful. It's incredible. But we get this guide 
who thinks we have paid money to listen to him and to look at him so he will not get out of the flipping way. And when you come through the gate, there's this place where you come to where you're overlooking it and the dude will not move. And I'm trying to look around him and wherever I moved, he moved trying to tell me about Machu. And I'm like, move, get out of the way. And he takes it like you're being rude to me. So we didn't pay money to see you. You were forced upon us by the government of Peru. Move out of the way. Now, I'm being a little facetious. Once he moved out of the way and we could see everything, the glory in going to Machu Picchu was not listening to a guide. It was seeing Machu Picchu. The glory of coming to church is not to see a pastor, but to see Jesus. And a good one learns how to get out of the way quickly and make it all about Jesus. Yes or no? Some of you are like, so shut up. Okay, I get it. (laughs) Oh, that gets you every time. He's the best. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Freedom. He wants you to be free. Free from religion. Free from all the stuff that goes with it, the list of do's and don'ts, the rights and the wrong. Dude, he, he will write his, his, being a believer, the blessing is in the freedom of following Jesus. That's the blessing of it. That's the life. That's where the life is at. Uh, second one, proclaim family. So, so I'll just, I'll say it one more time. Uh, I put it in, in all caps in my notes. I'm not sure if you see it in yours, but I'll say it out loud. You are wanted here. We want you. Don't let the enemy tell you it doesn't matter. Don't let the enemy tell you they don't care. Don't let the enemy tell you it doesn't matter. Be like me going to see the doctor when the doctor tells you, oh, you go there? I've never seen you before. Don't let that make you mad and not go back to the doctor. Let it wake you up and say that I need to get involved. Become a part. Here's community, man. Community. Don't come and just listen to a message. Don't be content to say amen. Don't let me motivate you for an hour on a weekend and then you go back to the rest. This is a, it's a whole thing God wants for you. And proclaim family. I just wrote these three things. It's three, three bullet points stuck in my head. One, here's what God said about Adam when he was all alone. It's not good for someone to be alone, yes or no? And most of us live our lives so desperately alone. Look at me. So I'm not joking around now. And I'm not having fun. I'm being deadly serious. Most people struggle with loneliness in their lives. And they don't realize how much they isolate themselves. And here's what they think. If people really cared, they'd reach out to me. Here's what the Bible says. Want a friend? Be a friend. So I'm going to say that one more time because it was such a big amen. Such an overwhelming excitement with that word. I'm going to say it one more time. It's just simple. Want a friend? Be a friend. Show yourself friendly. If you don't know how to smile, it would help. You know how to say hi. Some people put off that, you know, kind of like, hey, don't come near me. And then go home like, nobody came near me. I'll say no more. Here's truth. Everybody wants to belong to something. God created humanity. People who love Jesus and people who don't even believe that he exists he cre- Ecclesiastes says he put eternity in the hearts of all people. That doesn't simply mean heaven. It means the things that are eternal. It's the fingerprint of God is what he's saying. I put my fingerprint in every human. Part of God's fingerprint is you were not created to be alone. Every one of us craved to belong someplace. Where everybody knows your name. Thank you. You got it. Because some are like, uh, what? What? Um, And you're always glad you came. 
How about this? What we really want is to go someplace where we're celebrated and not tolerated. If you work at a place where you're merely tolerated, I bet you hate your job. And if you're in a marriage where it's just toleration, I bet you're not happily married. And if you go to a church where you feel like it's just about toleration, I bet you're not in community. And I don't mean it ugly. And I'm slapping myself as I say it because this is an area I always think, man, I'm not doing a good enough job in this area right here. But a place where you're celebrated and not simply tolerated. Where the genius of who you are comes alive. I listened to this preacher one time talk about a fish. And he said a fish out of water is the most awkward thing ever. How many of you know what I'm... They just, but release them into water and the genius of their creation comes to life. Yes or no? Out of water, but in water. When you're in the place you're supposed to be, the genius of who you are comes alive. I wish, I want, we need, we've got to be better at this. So that when you hit here, the genius of who you are comes alive. Maybe every place else you're like a fish out of water, but here, it happens. It Hey, you're wanted here. I'll give you the third one, and just uh, this is just the third promise. Just uh, this is what the Lord told me. Seems so simple, but He just said every weekend, some way, find the way to proclaim my promises. Just find some way to say it. So um, I don't know if you know how redundant we are. They say to communicate vision, you got to say it over and over and over again. And we try every weekend to say Jubilee is a place where you can discover and recover. Discover and recover. It's wonderful to discover things. I hope every time you come in here, you discover something you never heard before. But even more important than discovery is recovery for some of us. Because some of us have heard it a thousand times, but we never held it in our hand. Some of us are so full in our brains, but we never got it in our heart. How many times have I said this in 20 years? The distance from here to here is way more than 18 inches. For some people, this is 40 years. For some people, you're still trying. God, if I could do anything for you tonight... It would be to open up your heart so it could move from here to here because it doesn't happen for you when it moves from your brain to your heart. Most people think if you get the brain, you get the life. That's not true. You get the brain, you get the intellect. But if you get the heart, you get the passion and the intellect. I can rent your brain, but you have to give me your heart. You understand what I mean by that? I can intellectually tease you. I can intellectually get you to say yes or amen to it. But I can't give your heart without you saying yes to that thing. And if you get a person's heart, then you get the intellect. Sammy, what do you need me to do? Anything? Am I okay? Just finish up. Just like keep going. Like shut up and go. Okay. Um, got it. Um, how about this? A promise is only as good as the one who makes the promise. We live in a very jaded, cynical, broken promise time. Politicians lie all day long to get elected, yes or no. He must be talking about, you don't have a clue. I'm making a generalized statement right now. Preachers have become the butt of jokes. 
because they don't mean what they say or live what they believe to be true. Yes or no? The church is not held in esteem. We live in a cynical, promise-breaking time. So someone stands up and says the word promise and it doesn't hold for us the hope that it once did. A promise is only good as the one who promises it. Okay, so I'll be honest. Sometimes I have trouble keeping my promises. It's like, ask my wife. I mean, I ask my children, ask my friends. I certainly am flawed and not perfect and have great intentions, but sometimes intentions don't get it done. But these aren't, see, these aren't my promises. These aren't things I wrote or things that I'm saying. I'm just representing something for the one who is the ultimate promise keeper. I, I pointed this out last weekend. Like, if I say forever, forever has this uh, limitation on it because of my limitations. I'm not perfect. I'm only going to live so long. I'm bound by space and time. A good, a good long time might be 80, maybe 90 years. Agreed? So if I say, man, forever, it's, it's bound by the time that I exist in, even if I can do it perfectly. But when God says forever, it moves outside of the dimension of time as we understand it. So like there's the beginning of our life, but forever is after you die forever. If God promises it's forever, a promise is only as good as the one who promises those of you who go here know I got a special connection to Israel. I love understanding the Old Testament in light of who Jesus is because the New Testament says um, the old is a type and a shadow. It's a, it's a foretelling. But Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those things. And so if you could read the Old Testament in light of Jesus being the fulfillment, the Old Testament suddenly has information that you never, you might have read it a hundred times and never understood, like, how could this apply to us? But if you see it through who Jesus is and how God answered promises that he gave to Israel, and we're blessed through Israel, we come in, we're grafted into that branch, then man, so how would I, so like the whole, the whole promise thing, um, how many times have I, the whole bridegroom issue, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate and got married one time. One time. I, I was blessed. Call it whatever you want. It's not a down talking to anybody. I was blessed, but I was so young and I was so nervous. It was back when white tuxedos were. <laughs> Someday I'll show you a picture, man. It's one of the most embarrassing things you've ever seen in your life. Look like a waiter. Hello, may I take your order, please? Um, and Chris was, we were so young, just so, so, so nervous. I threw up right before the wedding, literally. We're standing in line to walk out, and I'm like, I, I gotta go. Went and threw up, came back in, pale white. When you take the picture, I'm pale white. I can't even, Terry, Pastor Terry, did our wedding for us. Terry was so smooth and so good. And I'm just, I don't remember anything he said except, do you? I, 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 I think, I, I think so, I... And he had all these wonderful promises. Do you do this? And I don't, I, I don't know. But, but you know, all of that comes from a place, the creator of marriage 
he designed it so that when a, when a little Jewish bridegroom wanted to marry a little Jewish bride that he found, um, he, he'd approach her with a contract. So in Judaism today, it's called the ketubah. Jews today, when they still get married, they get married under the chuppah. And they have the ketubah, which is the promises, the dowry. If you marry me, here's the promises that go with it. It's not as effectual today in 2018 as it would have been 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago. But the fulfillment of those things. So here's what it was. This little Jewish bridegroom would go to the bride's family, have the promises right there. He'd present to her father and to her, if you let her marry me, here's all that she's going to gain by me. The promises. Promises in the New Testament are simply called covenants. It's the same word. Promises, covenants. The Bible says that through Jesus we have a better covenant, better promises. He's called the bridegroom and we're called the... And so if she wanted to marry him and the dad said it was okay, there was a little cup of wine on the table. She'd pick it up and drink from it and then he would pick it up. No words were exchanged. Nobody had to sign anything. By drinking the wine, it sealed the deal. Jesus said this is now... The new covenant that is sealed in my blood. And do this to remind yourself that you belong to me and I belong to you. And then he said this, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, I'll come and get you again. If it were not true, I would not tell you. So that where I am, you can be with me always. And then about that day and about that time, when I can come back, nobody knows except the Father in heaven. And he's not telling. So he goes to prepare a bridal chamber. And only the Father can release him. And in Judaism at that time... As soon as the wine was drunk, the bridegroom would go to his father's house to prepare the bridal chamber. But only the bridegroom's father could release him to go get his bride. Because like any good bridegroom, the only thing he wants is to consummate the marriage. So he'd throw up a sheet and tell her, it's good, let's go. So the father made him build something that was acceptable for the bride. And then when he was done, the father would say, now go get your bride. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. So that where I am, you may be also. If it were not true, I would not tell you in my father's house are many mansions, many rooms. And about that day and about that time, nobody knows except the father. Because he'll release me when it's time. The spirit and the bride will be so hungry, they will say, Come get us. Look at me. These are not my promises. If they were, you need to get out of here as quick as you can because I can't fulfill them. I can't do one thing about any of this. I'm a human, flawed, mixed up, <laughs> and in the same boat that you are. But I can tell you about the one who promised. <laughs> And how he's never lied. And how he can't lie. And he's not like a man that he should lie is what the Bible says. If he said it, it's as good today as it was when those words were written. And it will be fulfilled when the Father says it's time. Where are you at with this Jesus? Where are you at with these promises? Some people are emotionally tied into religion. Oh my goodness, you're missing the whole purpose. It's always, always about relationship.
always about relationship. He loves you. And He has promises for you. And He opens a door for you and invites you into Him. Where are you at with that? Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your promises. Listen to this real quick. Your eyes are closed, ears open. Here's what uh, the New Testament says. All the promises of God are yes and amen. All the promises. If you can find it in the Bible, God says yes. If you can hear the Holy Spirit while I'm teaching, God says yes. If there's something that God has said to you, spoken to you, written to you, put inside of you, God wants you to have those things. It was for freedom that Jesus set us free. I oh, love you. Man, as you're just listening at all of our campuses right now, where are you at with this issue, this Jesus? We all make choices. All of us in space and time, sometimes God just stops things and speaks to us. Where are you at? Maybe this weekend is like your weekend to say, God, I'm there. I say yes to you and yes to relationship. It's a beginning place, but it's the place of all beginning. Tell God yes. Maybe it's the whole promise issue. I don't know why I put the kid thing in the beginning of it. I realized when I read Isaiah 54, some of you would have adult children who are not anywhere near what I said, and doubt will fill your mind and unbelief, and the devil will immediately come to steal the seed that I gave to you. Do you know that? The Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Mark both say the devil comes immediately to steal the seed when things are not understood or accepted. Even if you don't know how, even if it's so far from reality, do you believe that all things are possible with God? Can you say yes to that? Maybe the whole bondage issue. I don't have enough time to talk about all the different kind of bondages there are in life. And even if I could remember everything that I know about them, I'm sure that there are many people who would say, you forgot about this, or Pastor, what about that? It's not really important that I know. God knows. He calls you to freedom. It was for freedom that Jesus set us free. He still sets people free today. He still opens the eyes of the blind. Heals the brokenhearted. Sets at liberty the captive. He's still today pronouncing the year of God's favor over people's lives. The time of Jubilee. And if that speaks to where you are in space and time, tell God, help me. Don't be content 
intellectually to just say yes to me, acquiesce, or to dismiss in your heart. What is God trying to say to you right now? Father, thank you for being merciful to us and thank you for helping us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.